Good evening, and welcome to World Showcase. Tonight we are pleased to present A Visual Journey, an international fantasy of music and light. You boys can't catch me while my laughing place is where I'm bound. When the Sage of Time first walked upon the Earth, the nations of the world were one human family. Right now, we're leaving the world of today behind. So if your imagination is ready, here we go. W Hello and welcome back to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I'm your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 84 for the week of September 14th, 2008. I'll kick off this week's show with some news and rumors from Walt Disney World, and then I'm going to take you back on a brief trip to Walt Disney World with me as I look at some highlights from my recent trip. Not a day-by-day trip report per se, but more looking at some experiences I had that you might not have known exist in and out of the parks. From there, I left the joys of a No Way Jose at Beaches and Cream and headed out onto the high seas for a special five-day cruise aboard the Disney Magic. In addition to a scheduled two days at Castaway Key, this voyage was even more magical, as it was hosted by Deb Wills and Steve Barrett and featured great events and one surprise after another. So I invited the hosts to join me this week to recap the cruise and talk about some of the magic on the magic. And the time has finally come. We are down to the final three in the Adventureland Challenge Contest, and the finalists join me on the show this week to answer a series of questions so you can help decide who will be crowned the ultimate adventurer and win the grand prize of the six-day VIP vacation for four to Walt Disney World. There's more at the end of the show, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. In this week's Walt Disney World news, the 13th annual Epcot International Food and Wine Festival, in addition to just being the best place and time to enjoy great culinary delights from around the world, is going to kick off a small change to the Disney dining experience this year. The festival is going to celebrate Cities in Wonderland, and following that theme, the Disney Dining Experience Club is going to be renamed Tables in Wonderland as of September 15th, 2008. None of the benefits of having the card are going to change, but it does seem to be done in order to remove any confusion with the Disney Dining Plan, which is an add-on to the Magic Your Way ticket package. Alright, so now that you've eaten to your heart's content over at the Food and Wine Festival, it's time to walk or run it off, so why not at the Walt Disney World Marathon? Okay, so the half marathon is sold out, and I was just about to register, I promise, But this week, the health service company Cigna was named the presenting sponsor of the Walt Disney World Marathon Weekend in both 2009 and 2010. The Marathon Weekend, which attracts more than 80,000 people, including participants and spectators from all over the world, is one of the largest events held in Central Florida. And having done it last year, the half marathon that is, I can tell you, is one of the greatest experiences I ever had in Walt Disney World. 
About 45,000 runners are going to compete in the Marathon Weekend events, which include the Full Marathon, the Half Marathon, the Family Fun Run 5K, and the Kids Races. Now, the Half Marathon, obviously, is 13.1 miles. That takes you from Epcot to the Magic Kingdom, then back to Epcot for the finish. On Sunday of the weekend, the 26.2-mile Full Marathon goes through all four Walt Disney World theme parks, and then that also finishes back in Epcot. As part of the weekend's festivities, there's also the Walt Disney World Health and Fitness Expo. That's going to be held next year from January 8th through the 10th, 2009 at Disney's Wide World of Sports Complex. As I said, the 2009 Half Marathon is currently sold out, but if you're interested in participating in 2010 or if you still want to try and run in the full marathon in 2009, I think you still can go register. Either way, for more information, you can go and visit DisneySports.com. Not a lot of big news this week, so we're going to jump right into the Walt Disney World rumor mill, where the old Soren is a change-in rumor is back again for about the 10,000th time. It seems that the rumors of it changing from Soren over California to a more worldwide theme have once again resurfaced, with the rumors saying that the film on both coasts, Disneyland and Walt Disney World, will change next year. Again, of course, this is just a rumor. The new rumored Disney Fairies Room in the Toontown Hall of Fame over in the Magic Kingdom seems to be under construction as the Disney Pals Room in the Hall of Fame has been closed recently. I've also been told of permit filings that mention, quote, the Toontown Princess slash Fairies Q modifications. Now, as a result of the Pals Room closing, I've also been told that you may start to be able to find Pluto in Town Square, Goofy near the exit of Splash Mountain, and possibly Donald Duck in Frontierland in his full pioneer garb. Now, I did mention a few weeks ago that due to what apparently seemed to be cutbacks, the four for a dollar pre-show performers at Beauty and the Beast were going to leave permanently as of September 20th. I've also come to hear that they may not be the only groups who have or will be retired. From what I understand, Inka's Wasi and the Karuka Acrobats in Africa in Disney's Animal Kingdom have been retired effective as of September 1st, and the Main Street Family Fun Day Parade is going to end its run officially on September 27th. Orisi Risi, the African performers in World Showcase, have been retired effective August 30th, and also in World Showcase, and forgive me for butchering the name, Spellman's Gledge, the Norwegian folk group on the date, has also been retired as well. I'm going to miss looking for and watching guests interact with Wes Palm. He's the walking and talking, or rolling and talking palm tree over in Disney's Animal Kingdom, he is rumored to have been retired as of the 1st of September as well. And once again, mentioning what I spoke about previously, Woody's Cowboy Camp is going to have its last hoedown in Frontierland on September 27th. Now, I have to just give a quick editorial and say that I'm really saddened by this, as it's this type of free, interactive entertainment that I really enjoyed seeing, and more importantly, watched other guests and adults and kids alike enjoy as well so hopefully they will either return or maybe be replaced by other types of performers and hey if you want to bring back jp and the silver stars to adventureland you'll have one happy podcaster i assure you but that's it that's all i have this week as far as news and rumors go again if you want to discuss anything head on over to the forums at disneyworldtrivia.com or if you have news or rumors that you want to share or if you want to comment and be on the show you can call the voicemail at 206 202 4WDW, that's 206-202-4939, or send me an email to lou at wdwradio.com.
After my trips to Walt Disney World, I don't normally do trip reports per se on the show, but this week you have to indulge me just a little bit because this trip for me was really unlike any other that I've taken in the past. And I promise not to ramble too much on about every little place I ate. And you know me, there were lots of great places I ate, I can assure you. But there were a few things that I wanted to highlight for you and then discuss the second half of my trip in just a little bit more detail. But for me, this trip was so much the complete opposite side of the spectrum from any of my quote-unquote research trips. Because in fact, I really vowed that for as long as I could, I wouldn't be shushing my kids on rods as I was trying to record ambient audio and would actually take pictures of my wife and kids and not construction walls or signs or yet another crate, although I did take some, I promise. I would just kind of enjoy the parks the way Walt wanted it, which is with my family. And true to my word, okay, except for that last day when I did find a couple of new, very cool crates that I did post in my blog, I did just that. And I have to say, it was the best vacation I've ever taken to Walt Disney World or anywhere. And again, the experiences were obviously very personal for me, but I'm sure a lot of you have experienced them for yourself over and over again, whether it's the look on my daughter's face when she sees a princess that's waiting to take some pictures or my son who now gets wide-eyed because he's fully aware of exactly where Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger Spin is located in the park. Although now we can no longer lie to him when we're heading towards Adventureland, telling him we're going towards Buzz Lightyear because he know where it is. He's now dragging us towards the attraction. And honestly, that, that lump that I still get in my throat when my daughter asks to sit next to me on Peter Pan's flight and that look of just sheer joy on my wife's face as the spa doors open. No, really the look on her face when she's watching our kids eating and subsequently wearing a Mickey bar during illuminations. But like I said, rather than sharing that with you, what I wanted to do was share just a couple of things that I took away from the trip and I found myself very, very happy with afterwards. And for the first couple of days of our trip, uh, which was sort of an add-on to the cruise that was our, our sort of main vacation, we stayed in Pop Century. And I will once again argue that I believe it is far and away the best of the best of the value resorts. And that's not to take anything away from any of the all-stars, but Pop is just on a whole nother level in my opinion, whether it's the rooms, the theming, the amenities, the classic hall, the food court, the pools are just wonderful. And my family really loves that resort. My kids especially have such a good time there. We spent some time and really for the first time, I have to admit, at the pool during the middle of the day a couple of times, my kids just love the splash pool and the big pool, and so did we. We really had a, a, a nice time there. We walked into the food court over at Classic Hall. Breakfast and lunch that we had there a number of times were great. Uh, there's a lot of different choices. There's the bakery and the grill and the pizza and the pastas, all different kinds of stations in the food court, a nice variety of choices for all of us. The service was good. The cast members were exceptionally nice. Uh, a night for me, honestly, spent in the arcade playing Defender and other old-school games and just chatting in a booth long after everything Pop had closed were just a couple of those simple pleasures and some of the real highlights for me of the trip. And like I said, we were there from Wednesday to Friday before moving over to the beach club. And okay, I like Pop a lot, but man, I love the beach club. And I will save my full review of that resort 
for another time and another segment. But here's just a little bit about why I loved it. And not just in the past, but really on this trip in particular. And okay, location, 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 sure. But there's so much more that it offers that we finally took advantage of. And yes, when I say location, I may have subtly been hinting at its proximity to Beaches and Cream in addition to Epcot and the studios. But really, you're so close to those two parks. It is just fantastic. But why we really enjoyed the resort, specifically on this trip, was for two reasons. The one day that we took entirely off from the parks, which was the day before the cruise, we spent it over at Stormalong Bay. And the other was something that we did at night. And I've said it, and I'll continue to believe, that Stormalong Bay is not only the best pool on property, but arguably a water park in and of itself. And I, I won't go into the specifics again here, because I did cover it on the show before. It ranked as, as really a best of the best. I, I did that back on show 21. I encourage you to go back, listen to just what it offers and why it really is that good. But one of the big reasons what, that we enjoyed Beach Club on this trip was because of something that I think most guests either don't know about or simply don't take advantage of. And for example, one night after enjoying an awesome burger and even better No Way Jose at Beaches and Cream, We walked out onto the beach, we looked across Crescent Lake at the beautiful views of the boardwalk, and then we picked up a stick and roasted marshmallows and made s'mores. And no, security didn't come and whisk me away, because this is something Disney does on most nights from 8 to 9 o'clock. And there's a real campfire, and there's cast members there, and there's lots of kids and adults, and although I didn't partake, rumor has it, even a little sing-along goes on there as well, But I watched my kids toast marshmallows, and then I sat back on a lounge chair to watch Enchanted on a big screen. And and yes, I'm still at the beach when I'm doing this, because again, most nights after the campfire or kind of while it's still going along, there's a movie under the stars, and it's on this huge inflatable screen right there on the beach. And yes, of course, it's free. One night was Enchanted. Another night was National Treasure 2. Another had Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo. It was simply awesome. And my kids played on the sand and ran around and make some friends. My wife and I and another friend of mine laid back. We got a drink from Hurricane Hannah's, and I guess sort of how appropriate that name was for that week, and just kind of sat back and watched the movie for a while. And it was one of those simple pleasures that was simply so memorable. And the point of this is, is that places like the Beach Club have so much more to offer both during the day and at night. And... You might not know that they have, and again, this is free, people, pool parties, ping pong tournaments, Disney trivia contests, name that tune, so much more that goes on. There's also inexpensive activities like t-shirt decorating, bingo for a dollar, the albatross cruise for kids, so much more. And of course, did I mention that the marina is right there as well, and there's pontoon boats and water mice, and oh yeah, a little hidden treasure that they like to call Breathless 2. And I have to say, if you want the ride of your life, head on over, take a spin with Captain Mike on Breathless. I-, I promise you, it'll make for one of those incredibly memorable and magical experiences you won't soon forget. But really the point of this sort of mini trip report was just to let you know that there is so much more to Walt Disney World. I say this all the time, than just the parks and the attractions. And I was really, really happy to be able to take part in so many of these with my family and things like the haircuts they got on Main Street and the fact that my daughter didn't want to wash that pixie dust out of her hair for God knows how long 
and, you know, just trying on funny hats with them at the House of Treasure and waiting at the Crystal Palace just a little bit longer so they can take yet another picture with Tigger. And I'm not sure if I mentioned the No Way Jose, but it really was a wonderful trip. And like I said, I'll cover the Beach Club in more detail and some of the other resorts and the things that they offer. But definitely when you check in and when you stay on property, check with the front desk and ask for a list of activities because I'm sure there's probably a lot more going on there than you may realize. But like I said, this trip was really for me to spend some true quality time with my wife and kids. So... After we said goodbye to the Beach Club on Monday morning, we headed off to Port Canaveral to spend five days aboard the Disney Magic. And you're saying to yourself, wait, five days? And yes, unlike a three, four, or seven-day cruise, this one was special. And it was special not just for the two days in Castaway Key, but because it was really going to be including some of my very best friends from the online community. And it was the appropriately titled Deb and Steve Cruise, as was hosted by two very special people, Deb Wills from AllEars.net, and everyone's favorite Hidden Mickey's Hunter, good doctor Steve Barrett from HiddenMickey'sGuide.com, who's also a frequent guest on the show. So rather than me just kind of bore you with my mundane details about the trip, I'll invite them to come on it and help me do it with you. So I'm kidding, of course, but really, how can I talk about such a special cruise without having the hosts and my friends come on to talk about it with me? So it's my pleasure to welcome the lovely and talented, and still the winner of the best Olu ever, Deb Wills. <laughs> Hi, Lou. Thanks so much for inviting me to be here today. Thank you for coming, Deb. And Steve, Dr. Hidden Mickey's back to the show. Great to have you guys back here again. Always good to be with you, Lou. First off, I have to say a huge thanks, not just for the cruise, but for whatever you guys did to take care of Hurricane Hannah and Gustav. <laughs> because I guess you and, and, you know, in true Disney fashion, they were pretty much able to control the weather, which was something we worried about. And my mother called me every 15 minutes about it before the, the, the cruise. So, Well, I was very impressed with the way uh, the captain and the crew handled everything ar- about the weather. Um, the day we got on the ship, as you know, they had told us at the port they were going to swap out our Nassau and Sea Day. And we all were sort of joking about how it was the magical, mystical cruise to who knows where. And some of us even thought we'd be at sea for five days, which would have been just fine. But the captain managed to navigate his way around the storms, thanks to, of course, technology and um it, it was an amazing time, and we really were only impacted for about 12 hours on Friday. Otherwise, they did a fantastic job. Yeah, I agree. You know, uh, this was my third cruise ever, and what it, what brought home to me, Lou, was um, how how incredibly well put together these ships are. I mean, they they. They, they, I think they can handle just about anything. These ships are amazing. You know, and probably ship technology advances just as any science advances. Every new ship that's built is going to have more and more features to make it safe. So I was very impressed with the ship and absolutely with the captain and crew as well. I am as well, but I will tell you the same thing that I told you as we were getting on the ship. I didn't care if I got on that ship and sat in Port Canaveral for five days. I didn't, <laughs> or if we just went around in circles at sea because I just wanted to be on the ship. And you're right, Deb. We had very little impact except save for you know the 3 o'clock in the morning one night and then a little bit of rain on, on the last day. But other than that, I mean, we had 
please convince my mother we had smooth sailing and great great weather for most of the time. So, but really the, I guess we can kind of go backwards a little bit because things kind of got kicked off. And again, we keep talking about special things that happened in a great way because you guys hosted a very unique dinner in and at the American Adventure Pavilion. Tell us a little bit about the dinner because that was really something special. Well, we've been planning this cruise for well over a year now. And actually, Steve and I have been talking about it. And we started talking with Becky of Mass Fan Travel about organizing a group cruise probably about a year and a half ago. And one of the things we wanted to do as the cruise started to get more on everybody's radar screen was try and set something, start something off on land. There were some informal groups folks had uh, set up on their own. There was a very well attended breakfast at um, Fort Wilderness one Sunday morning. And we wanted to do something extra special for people to get them in the mood for the magic. So Becky arranged to have a private buffet dinner in the American Adventure Atrium, the place where where you see the voices of liberty sing and uh, that amazing, amazing building that just represents so much of American history. It was a phenomenal night. Everybody walked in with smiles on their faces. Uh, they left with smiles on their faces. Uh, I just, and Becky surprised us by um, setting up a special private illuminations dessert party area as well. So the night was a, a, a special magical night and um, we just had a great time. Yes. Anytime you can experience a piece of Disney, such as a pavilion, as a private party, and be inside the pavilion, in this case, the rotunda there, it, it, it was just an amazing experience to me. It, 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 it showed me even more of the magic that Disney can, can bring about. Yeah, it, Steve, it, did you get a, a chance to go up to the third floor in the pavilion? No, I didn't. Um, early on, uh, I needed to use a restroom, and the cast member escorted me up to the third floor, and it looked like what you might imagine um, the White House might look like back in the time period with the fireplaces and the furniture and the rooms and... I had wished that I had was able to spend more time up there. It was just gorgeous, and apparently they do a number of special events up there as well. Yeah, and, and this was just kind of the beginning of a lot of those little surprises along the way. And before anybody emails me saying that they're mad that we closed down the American Adventure Pavilion, I will tell you that other than the guests not being able to go through the Rotunda and the Hall of Flags, we did not close down the show. The show was still open for guests to see until the park closed. So That's right. I don't want anybody getting mad. And if you do get mad, get mad at Deb and Steve, not me. So. <laughs> if I you do just get guess- mad next time, you know, sign up for the event. <laughs> 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 but, you know, like I said, I-, I was so looking forward to this cruise and not just for the two days in Castaway Key and also, obviously, to see both of you, but there were so many people that we both have known from in the past from the Disney community and because of all the new friends that you get to meet uh, along the way, and this trip is no different, obviously one of the, the real big benefits of, of cruising on the Disney Cruise Line, I think. Oh, I agree. I, over the years, as you and Deb have probably experienced, um, you get to know people in your community and see them once or twice a year or more if you're lucky. And um, it's just great seeing these, these what are now, to me, old friends 
on the cruise and I'm I, and also to meet new folks that are that are joining the communities it, it's just a a wonderful a wonderful pleasure for me it's an amazing experience that that differs so much from events on land because on the cruise ship and we really have found this out with the mouse fest cruise you really get to spend time face time with people and it's not meeting 500 people in the course of two hours or three hours and then later you're struggling to remember their name. You're actually getting time to talk and enjoy uh, aspects of the cruise with people. And there are folks that I've met the very first Mouse Fest cruise who now have become very dear friends and we travel and vacation together outside of Disney. And it's just an amazing experience. And as Steve mentioned, every time you're on a cruise, you meet new people that just, you're like, wow, and they become friends too. And and it's the ever expanding network of Disney fans, but also people who become your friends as well. Yeah, that's a good point, Deb. I led five uh, Hidden Mickey tours uh, on the cruise at different times during the uh, three or four days that we were on the ship. And these were really small, intimate tours with anywhere from four to ten people generally. And that's a a really great way to meet folks. I mean, I was able to have an hour with these people and get to know them a lot better. So, yeah, the cruise is is a more intimate experience for sure than, than a lot of the land events we do. One of the things that we did too, we had a hospitality room that embarkation day and we asked everyone to please come by. Um, I filtered through at one point in the day, Steve I'm sure probably filtered through at one point in the day and the agents from Mouse Fan Travel were there. Uh, We gave out lanyards, red lanyards with the Deb and Steve cruise logo on them uh, so that all our fellow cruisers could identify each other as well. And we also had a special navigator that we published. Navigator, for those of you who haven't been on a cruise yet, is your daily itinerary of what's happening on the ship. It lists everything from the kids' activities all the way to the uh, adult and late night activities. But we had special navigators dedicated just to the Deb and Steve cruise events. So folks really enjoyed seeing those red lanyards and they were able to say, hey, you're cruising with Steve and Deb. Yeah, 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 we haven't met yet. And, and it enabled people another way to network and, and get to know each other. And, and recall the, the fish extenders outside of all of our doors. And every, every day, I was amazed. I was amazed at what the, the guests that came along with us would, would create and, and come up with to put in, in the extenders, extenders every morning. I mean, I'm sure all of us came back with, um, with a bag full of, of wonderful little trinkets and gifts. Very creative folks. Yeah, we should explain what a fish extender is for people that are saying, wait a minute, you have a fish extender outside your door. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, yeah. Yeah, it's a, every door has a fish stuck on the wall, and an extender is something that hangs from the fish that has pockets in it. And uh, in, into the pockets, uh, your friends or fellow cruisers can place uh, gifts, gifts and trinkets and something to... Uh, it's, like, it's like getting a present every day. It is, absolutely. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah and this is probably where I should, you know, start off by saying... 
a big thanks not just to you guys, but obviously to Becky and her team from Mouse Van Travel because a lot of the events and a lot of these surprises and special things that took place were, were thanks to them. Also, big thanks for for putting all that candy in my fish extender every night. Uh, my kids really appreciate it. Um, they'll be sleeping at Camp Annette next year as opposed to bouncing around my cabin until 12 o'clock at night. But, you know, on a general scale, and again, I really want to do sort of a full Disney Cruise Line show, and, and like I covered with Disneyland, almost why every Disney World fan needs to go on a Disney cruise, because that's one of the benefits that you guys touched on before, is we're all of sort of like-minded people. We all enjoy Disney. All So you even if you guys go solo, even if you go without kids, and a lot of people just go as couples, you are definitely going to make and meet new friends, not just on the ship, but like you guys said, friends that are going to extend beyond just the three, four, five, seven days that you spend on board. Correct, and, and <laughs> especially the kids. You know, the the, the, the kids' uh, areas are on the on the on the boat and on Castaway Key are uh, are amazing. I know, uh, Lou, your your kids had a lot of fun in their in their kids' areas, right? When I did see when my kids actually wanted to spend time with me, as opposed to you know staying in the Oceaneers Club or doing stuff on Castaway Key, you're right. They and that's one of the reasons why we love it. And I admit that I am still way too overprotective of my daughter, but the Oceaneers Club is the only place that I still feel 100% comfortable and confident letting her go in there with people that I really don't know with those cast members who are just wonderful because I know she's safe. I know she can't go anywhere. I know security is, you know, over the top and, and there's no chance of her kind of disappearing somewhere. And she has such a good time, makes so many new friends. And we made friends because of the relationships that my daughter and son made in the Oceaneers Club. That's wonderful. And it was and- nice to have some adult time, I have to admit. So, <laughs> <laughs> And by adult time, I mean walking around on deck. That's so, so let's be clear. Right, right. I, we understand. <laughs> so we started the, the cruise off uh, in true Disney fashion with some events, like I mentioned, the hospitality room. And um, we also got to uh, have our guests tour a two-bedroom and a one-bedroom suite so they could see those things. Um, we had a huge Bon Voyage party on Deck 10. And there's nothing like celebrating to Disney music and with Disney characters, like celebrating with your friends and, and fellow cruisers. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. Every day had something that you can go to. And the, the beauty of this was that there were events going on throughout the day, but you didn't have to attend any or all. You can kind of pick and choose what you want because there is so much else going on the cruise. But you're right. There were so many occasions, Deb, that we could get together as a group and do different things on board. Yes, there were very few things that actually we had to have RSVPs for the suites tour, which I just mentioned. Of course, Steve's hidden mickey tours because you don't want 50 people walking around together uh on the ship with it impact the other guests a little bit but just about everything else that we did people could come and go as they please we had early morning coffee meets up in cove cafe uh, we would do lounging meets in the evening before the early and the late dinner seating um, there were a number of things that were just very relaxing and if you wanted to do that you were welcome to stop by and join the fun Lou, did you uh, have an occasion to to uh, admire some of the door decorations? I mean, some of our guests really 
got into decorating their their doors. I was going to say, you guys decided to have a door decorating contest, and I'm I'm happy I didn't even try because some of those doors were incredibly impressive. The creativity and the time that they spent uh, doing their doors was was wonderful. It's a really unique thing about the Disney cruises, and I don't know when the the this started, but. It's been going on for a long time where people will take magnets because the doors are metal and put designs and photos and Disney uh, characters and all kinds of things on their doors. And so one of the things that we started doing a few years ago with the Mouse Fest cruise was doing a door decorating contest. So Steve and I talked and we decided, uh-huh. yeah, we want to do a Deb and Steve Cruise door decorating contest. And people had to, the doors were judged based on incorporating our cruise logo and also hidden Mickeys. And I've, I've got to say, it was really tough coming up with five finalists for the door decorations. Right, right. Deb and I uh, judged or looked at all the doors separately. And then uh, we got together and luckily uh, our top 10 list pretty much agreed they did. Uh, and, and and so it was it, uh, because some of the some of the doors really stood out with uh, creativity and uh, the wow factor and just the beauty of some of these designs yeah and i think one of the other highlights for people and they, like you said they had so many different occasions they could do it with you was going on an actual hidden mickey not even a tour really a hidden mickey hunt with you on board and, and I think there's nothing better than to go and discover Hidden Mickeys obviously with, with the man himself. Well it, 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 doing a Hidden Mickey tour anywhere on in any Disney property is just one of the real pleasures of my life and so when I first got on the boat the ship um, the first day I had I went around for two or three hours on, on my own because I'd never been on the Magic before and I had an idea where some of the hidden Mickeys were because people emailed me to my website and, and my email about uh, various hidden Mickeys sightings. So I had, a, I had a list of hidden Mickeys I was looking for, and I went uh, through all the decks uh, myself and found most of them. But I'm telling you, on, on all of the five tours that I led, we found new hidden Mickeys, the guests. They uh, just with their sharp eyes. It, it it was just amazing, and we ended up with a list of about, uh, depending on how you count them, forty-five to fifty hidden Mickey's on the Disney Magic. Oh, that's awesome, wow. Steve! Right. And I know you had done a, you did a wrap up on the last full day of the cruise, and it was really fascinating for me since I didn't get to go on any of the specific tours. But it was really fascinating to um, see all the hidden Mickey's that you all discovered, and the hidden Donalds in the in the sand pail. I like that too. That, uh, yes, yeah, so some of the some of my favorite hidden Mickey's were were in uh, some of the painting. At, pictures and paintings that are hanging on the walls and then the various murals around the ship but um, there, there's some for example there's a series of 10 pictures on deck five forward and some of my favorite images are in there for example uh, on, on the on the picture hanging to the far left there's a very long queue line for coffee and I don't know maybe one or two hundred people are standing in line curving around but if you look closely you see goofy and dopey in line too so you know i love images like that because i i know the artist is having fun with it and is, is hiding disney characters 
you know, um, where you know, that are not easy to see. And uh, that, that just really gives me a thrill when, when I find images like that. Well, you can't, you definitely can't mention the Disney Cruise Line without mentioning something else specifically. And I'm just going to throw this word out and then you guys take it and run. Apollo. Ah. <laughs> and, and here's another special thing that working with a travel agency, what Mass Fan Travel did with us, they were able to um, reserve the private dining room in Palo, which is the adult-only restaurant. And Steve and I were um, very grateful to be able to host uh, a brunch with folks who were part of our cruise and also a dinner. And these names were actually drawn out of a bucket at Fred Block's Magic Meets in July and we uh, podcasted it live and it was just amazing because some of the folks who won were right in the room at Magic Meets and they all came running over and they were all excited and so we got to see their excitement and and it was a wonderful wonderful experience. Oh and the Apollo food is is unbelievable you know uh, Lou uh, I, I've, I've been to Italy once and I've heard a lot of things about Italy and the way they eat and and I, I know that sometimes the meals the evening meals especially last a long time and you have non, any number of courses well that's what Paolo reminded me of, of a classic Italian family type uh, experience with lots of food uh, unbelievable and it's great tasting food with lots of courses I mean you, you just no way to eat everything you know <laughs> There's not at all. In fact, I, I think the brunch at Palo is probably one of the best uh, food things you can do on the ship because, as Steve just mentioned, I mean, there's course after course. It's like the commercial. And wait, there's more. And every right. time you think you've seen everything that they could possibly offer, they're going to bring you to the next section and the next theme and tell you what else there is. So, Yeah, and you're right about it just being one of those multi-out. It's almost like dinner Sunday dinner at the Mangello's house, but with better <laughs> with, with better service and a lot less yelling. So <laughs> I don't and, know. I think Steve, we need to go up to the Mangello's yeah. house for dinner. I'm there. I'm there. Okay. You always have an open invitation, of course. Although the chocolate souffle, I promise, will not be as good as it is in Paulo's. So that's all right. One of the other nights and things I look forward to, and this one, was, again, I, I hate to keep saying it was even more special and plussed, but was Pirate Night. And there's so much going on just for the quote-unquote normal cruise where everybody kind of dress, gets dressed up and they do a lot of pirate-themed things and there's a pirate party. But why don't you guys tell us a little about some of the things that took place during our kind of Pirate Night? Well, your host dressed up. That's the first thing. Um, Steve and I both wore some pirate garb. And then um, Steve can tell you a little bit more about what happened. We had a, a pirate uh, judging hour in uh, Studio C. That was on Wednesday uh, late afternoon. And the guests all came decked out in their costumes. And I'm telling you, um, I'm sure we have lots of photos that are going to show up on various websites, but um, it was hard to pick the winners. Dev and I uh, voted, uh, I, I think Annette too, or Becky, Becky I think was sitting Becky, with us, yeah. Right. Uh, we're, we're voting on the on the winners, and um, uh, the, 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 again, the costumes were, were just amazing, and, and some of the people were, were even in, I guess, in character. It's like, uh, well, uh, 
acting like pirates. So it was was very cool. It was very cool. And another plus to doing the group cruise, we actually uh, got to do that in in one of the rooms. We were in Studio C so that our group didn't impact with other folks on the ship. And we got to have our private little pirate gathering and celebration and everybody did their R's and do photos. (laughs) And then we went out and we were with all the rest of the cruisers. And one really cool thing about Pirate Night is the characters dress up. And you can get your picture, especially if you're in pirate gear, with characters, you know, Pirate Stitch and Pirate Mini and uh, Jack Sparrow's usually around for photos. So it's a great night for photo opportunities as well as the party up on deck. Yeah, and speaking of parties, I want to kind of almost sort of wrap things up with our final night and that final farewell party. But I have to take a quick aside and mention formal night because formal night is wonderful. Everybody gets dressed up. The food is nice. The service is great. Well... That was Thursday night, and that was opening night of football season, and I'm going I'm going somewhere with this. I told my waiter, I says, buddy, I got to be out of here by 6.30. I had my appetizer, main course, and dessert. I had eaten and was done by like 6.40, and I went up on deck for one of my favorite moments on, on this cruise. I sat on deck nine and watched that 24 by 14 inch uh, sorry, 24 by 14 foot screen on deck nine <laughs> and watch the giant game with many like-minded other cruisers. And it was so much fun hanging out on deck, watching the game in that kind of environment. So again, something on the Disney cruise, not just the giant game, but that big screen out there, which is just awesome. One other special thing, if, if I might mention that we did from for our cruisers, um, two of our cruisers, Masayo and Nozomi, were, are from Japan. And they had wanted to do something special, host a special meet, and we were going to do lunch the day we were in Nassau. And they brought yukata, which is a casual Japanese attire, uh, to the cruise ship for myself and Steve and a number of other hosts. And we got to dress up in the traditional Japanese attire. And then we went to lunch uh, with about 25 or 30 of the folks who were on the cruise with us. And it was a very, very special occasion um, brought in by the fact, again, that we have cruisers from all over the world that join us and and Disney fans. And it, it was just a really special lunch. It was wonderful even cruising with Masayo and Nozomi. I mean, they're 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 fun uh, you can just see it in their eyes whenever they're at disney and uh, they they just seem to be elated uh, the whole cruise and it just i think it perked everybody's spirits up just seeing around them yeah and you know we met so many great people i i, I almost hate to mention specifically but you're right they were wonderful and it was wonderful that i was able to come to that lunch and see all of you dressed up like that and to see them steve you looked handsome and ravishing as always with your black socks and dress shoes which was priceless but they were you know Masayo and Nozomi were wonderful because you're right they are just so genuine and sincere they spent time sitting down with my with my kids and with other kids teaching them how to do origami and bringing them origami to my room and it's just that sort of special thing that I get like we talked about before with the people and the relationships that you find on these kind of cruises absolutely it was they're they're special folk and and um, the, the origami was amazing, and they dropped them off in the fish extenders, and they, some of them take up to 10 minutes each to make. Yeah, and they made a ton. I don't think anybody slept on this cruise. I think people just running around <laughs> doing things, dropping stuff in fish extenders, but... I think so. 
you know, the yeah, last. I wish, I wish the cruise would have lasted another five days. It I know. Was fun. I know. We really enjoyed it. And I'll tell you, we hardly got off the ship. Other than Castaway Key, we never got off the ship. And we had such a good time. And again, I really want to kind of do a full cruise review so people can understand just what goes on and why the cruise is so different and apart from any other cruise line, I think. But you're right, Steve. Friday came way too fast, and it was time to sort of end things. And again, Mouse Fan Travel and you guys hosted a farewell party um, on Studio C, which again is uh, on Deck 5. And talk about surprises. Talk about special things. (laughs) Deb, this was a very special day for you, unbeknownst to most of us. Thank you very much. Um, (laughs) Why don't you tell us kind of how your afternoon started even before you walked into the farewell party and then what happened once you got there? Well, it was a very special day for me. And and if you believe in numbers, the number five really hit home um, because it was a five-night cruise. Friday was September 5th. Uh, I turned 10, uh, five and five, (laughs) as I joked with everyone throughout the day, turned 55. And um, about 4.30, Becky and Treva, who was our Disney Cruise Line liaison person from land, came into the cabin. And I thought it was kind of odd. Uh, Not that they hadn't done that. Uh, Treva hadn't been there earlier because they were talking about lots of stuff as the cruise went on but this was Friday afternoon and we're winding down everything's almost done the weather's fine and they're standing there and and they I don't even know how it happened because I just lost it and I went back to feeling like a five-year-old or a (laughs) ten-year-old but Becky explained to me that I was going to get to blow the ship's horn and it's a very, very unique opportunity, a very special opportunity to be able to get on the bridge at all and then to blow the special Disney horn, uh, which has its own unique song uh, that it plays all the time. It, it, it was just amazing. And, and I know I jumped, we were all crying. I was jumping up and down and clapping and didn't know whether to laugh or cry or what to do. And apparently this had been planned for quite a long time and it was touch and go because of the weather until the very end Um, but I got to go on the bridge and I got to blow the horn and I was so excited I forgot to take my finger off the button (laughs) so the horn blew twice (laughs) and um, we have lots of really neat pictures and and video from that and and it was just oh I'm, I'm getting tears in my eyes again it was just a very very special thing but wait, and there's more. There is more. <laughs> <laughs> and so I knew from there we were going straight to the farewell party. But what I didn't know was that Becky had transformed the farewell party into a, a farewell birthday party at the same time. And so I walk in and and people are taking pictures. And apparently everybody in the room knew where I had been and that I had gotten to blow the horn. And uh, you're right, Lou, or what you said earlier, I really didn't tell people it was my birthday. I'm really kind of low-key about that. But throughout the day, people who knew were, were very kind and, and wishing me well. And Anyway, so we get into the party and we go through everything. First, we've got this amazing, amazing sheet cake that has the allears.net logo on it and sharing the magic worldwide. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful representation of the logo. And on top of that, the cake actually tasted fantastic. (laughs) Um, And then there still was more because here I thought everything was done and then we were just gonna award our prizes 
for the doors and everything and then Becky called me back on stage and and I don't even know what words she said, honestly, but then I noticed people were looking at the door, so I start looking at the door, and then it dawns on me, a, maybe a character's coming in, but never in my wildest dreams did I think that Captain Mickey was going to come in and <laughs> get on stage with me and wish me a happy birthday, and again, I just started crying and smiling, and it was... I, I could not have, as a Disney person, I could not ask for a better birthday than I had. Um, it was just amazing, and I know it took a lot of work and effort on uh, Annette and Becky's part to, to make all those things happen. And then Captain Mickey stayed for about 20 minutes or so, so that everybody in our group got to take pictures with him. And what was really cool about that, not just watching everybody smile and their faces light up, but there were several people on the cruise because of different physical challenges, didn't want to be waiting in line for character photos. And so the whole time they would go by the character meet and greets, but not wait for a picture. And here they got the opportunity to have their picture with none other than Captain Mickey. So it, w it was a perfect ending to an amazing cruise. Watching Deb come into Studio C at, at at the at the beginning of the farewell party was 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 priceless. Just to see the look on her face, it was great. <laughs> and, and you know, and that's it. I mean, that kind of moment encapsulizes the whole thing because it really it's a testament to your reaction. Is everybody being a kid again when you're on board? And you don't have to travel with kids or be a kid. You can go by yourself on the cruise and enjoy hugging Mickey. I mean, I know how I felt when I hugged Belle and when security finally had to pull me off, but it, <laughs> I mean, that's what these kind of cruises are, are all about. And whether you travel in a group or you travel individually, they truly are such special occasions and special events. And like I keep saying, I really want to cover the cruise line and how it ties into your Walt Disney World vacation on a separate thing. But I have to thank you guys, not just for coming on, but for really making this cruise so very special and so truly memorable for me and my wife and my kids. I'm so glad you were there, Lou. That was a, an extra bonus. It was a um, big bonus. Yes. And um, it, 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 it's just, it, it's just, uh, now I can't, I don't have any words anymore because I'm still thinking of bring in the horn and everything but Steve I'll let you wrap, wrap up <laughs> no, it, it, it was a very special week that I'll never forget and hopefully maybe someday we'll do it again absolutely. that would be awesome absolutely so guys thank you again of course I'm I, I sure you know already but to find out more about Deb and all that she does sort of the de facto guide to everything Walt Disney World you can visit allears.net Steve, Dr. Hidden Mickey, is of course over at hiddenmickeysguide.com. Thank you again for the cruise. Thanks for coming on. I look forward to seeing you guys down in the parks again soon. Thanks so much, Lou. Steve, thank you. Thank Lou. you.
I'm Kathy Adams, and I am the Ultimate Adventurer. I'm Jeff DeBoer, and I'm the Ultimate Adventurer. I'm Ashley Ray Fisher, and I'm the Ultimate Adventurer. Well, this is it. Welcome to the third and final round of the Adventureland Challenge Contest. Since early July, thousands of you have entered, played, and voted, and it now comes down to three. Three Walt Disney World fans who are vying for the coveted title of the Ultimate Adventurer, and more importantly, the VIP Walt Disney World Vacation for Four that includes six days, five nights, at a deluxe Walt Disney World Resort, concierge access, Magic Your Way Park Hoppers for six days, Disney's Dining Plan, a $1,000 American Express gift card, private transportation to and from the airport, private dinner with me, personal pre-arrival planning with Mouse Fan Travel, lots of special VIP treatment and surprises, an iPod Nano, a digital camera, a gift package, and so, so much more. The second and third place finishers, they get a great prize too. Each of them is going to get a four-night stay at an all-star vacation home, two four-day park hopper passes, an iPod Nano, a $50 Disney gift card, and really what everybody's playing for is the DisneyWorldTrivia.com gift pack. These prizes and the entire contest could not have happened without the help and the support from my sponsors. I want to say a big thanks to Mouse Fan Travel, All-Star Vacation Homes, and of course Steve Barrett from HiddenMickey'sGuide.com. But this week, this is your chance to meet and get to know the contestants. Because then you're going to have a chance to go to our website at WDWRadio.com. You can vote once per 24-hour period for the person that you think deserves to be the ultimate adventurer. Voting is going to begin on September 15th. It's going to end at 11.59 Eastern on September 21st. And then I'm going to announce the winner on our September 28th show. So I'm going to bring on each finalist individually and in no particular order other than alphabetized by last name and ask them a series of the same questions. And then it's up to you to help make their dream come true. So you ready? Here we go. Okay, so here is our first of the Adventureland Challenge finalists going in alphabetical order only. And why don't you tell us your name and where you're from? Um, my name is Kathy Adams, and I'm from a small town named Ellington, Connecticut. Excellent. Well, congratulations on making it to the third and now final round. This is definitely the exciting part. Um, you are a winner nonetheless, as you know. But why don't you go ahead and tell us, obviously, round two... We had the caption contest. That's what got you here. Tell us what your round two caption was for the picture from the Jungle Cruise. My caption was, quit fooling around and help me find that darn cricket. If I hear when you wish upon a star one more time, I'll go ape. <laughs> See, it's always great to hear it from the person that wrote it directly. So you can get the proper <laughs> inflection. So, Kathy, just so we can kind of get to know you a little bit better, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your family? Um. Here in Connecticut, I am a music teacher at a primary school. I teach kids ages three to eight. I absolutely love my job, and it's it's the best thing in the world for me. Um, I love working with the little kids. I think that's the best thing about my job. Um, but the most important part of my existence is my family. I've got two little girls. Um, one is sitting right here with me, and she's going to help me tell you about our family. So. Miss Julie, what's your name? Juliana Adams. And how old are you? 
Five years old. And what's your sister's name? Katie. And how old is she? Three. And what grade did you just start? Kindergarten. You started kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And what do you like to do in kindergarten? I like to do everything. Everything? What's your favorite thing to do? Hmm? Have Daddy as my music teacher. Yeah? Um, my husband works as an elementary music teacher, too, and she, he's at my daughter's school, so she gets Daddy as a music teacher. We go to Disney World. What do you want to do? Who would you like to meet? I would like to meet Lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen? You want to get your picture taken with him? And what about, what about your sister? What do you think she would like to do? She would like to meet all the princesses. All the princesses? What do you think is her favorite? I think all of them are. All of them? Well, if we could pick one, which one do you think? I think she would like Ariel. Ariel? What do you think she'd do if she met Ariel? She'd go, wow! <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Miss Julie. You can go upstairs, okay? Why? All right. <laughs> well, you can tell she's a little bit of a ham like her mother. Um, and my husband's also a composer. He does some um, composition for recorders for school. He's got two publications out right now, actually. So that's awesome. us. Excellent. So obviously you're a Disney fan. Why don't you tell us about your first trip to Walt Disney World, unless it was when you were like two months old. Maybe tell us about the first one that you remember. Um, yeah, actually my first trip was when I was two years old. I called my mom last night and asked <laughs> her about it. She said, yeah, 1975 was the first time we went because my grandparents lived down in Mount Dora, which is about an hour away from Orlando. And uh, that was the only vacation we would ever take. We would drive down from New York, upstate New York, and uh, we would stay with them in February. And my father was a general contractor, so he didn't take much time off. We, had, we didn't get to see him a lot at all because he, he did a lot of work and didn't get a lot of downtime. So the only time we actually got to spend some fun time with him was when we went to the Magic Kingdom because that was the only thing there. And uh, I just remember that so vividly uh recent trips we um my in-laws live in tampa so every well not every summer but as often as we can we go down to see them and our trips to disney are usually two days we don't get a lot of time there um we decided that in 2008 we were going to do a big trip and this year it turns out we couldn't make it, so we've actually pushed it back to 2009, and that's going to be our very first long trip ever. Even our honeymoon was only three days long. <laughs> we stayed at All Star Music, you know. So this is going to be our this is the big trip we want to take. Uh, we're already saving our pennies. I already told the kids we're going next year. Awesome. How, how many times do you think maybe you've been to Disney total since since those early 70s? It's hard to know because. I, you know, a lot of the trips I don't remember, and I didn't ask my mom how many times we went. We've done 15 days in the park total in my life. Okay. I'm not sure. So, all right. something like well, that. Well, all right, let's say you're sitting there in Connecticut, and you can be magically whisked away to Walt Disney World, but only for an hour. And you've got one hour to spend in Walt Disney World. How or where would you spend it? That's tough. <laughs> That's a really hard question. Um, 
let's see. First, with the kids, they would have to be there. Um, we'd go to PhilharMagic, because that's my absolute favorite thing. I love that one. I love the way they do, they mixed the old classics and the new classics. They're just, you know, it's priceless. And then when Tinkerbell comes on the screen, and every, you hear the whole crowd just go, oh, it's so cool. Anyway, um, so we're going to fill her magic, and then we're going to get an ice cream cookie sandwich from the Main Street Bakery, and then we're going to sit and watch Wishes, because the girls have not seen the fireworks yet, and I cannot wait to see their faces when they see the castle light up. I'm oh, sure. I, I was going to be... Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm sure, and I'm happy that you included food in that hour, so <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Actually, I was thinking of saying that we should do a, you know round world showcase eat around the world but uh i don't think i can stomach any uh, maple syrup that's all right i would probably take wishes over that too especially <laughs> having taken my kids i, I know what it, that expression is like so but let me ask you this when you when you do go down or when you've gone down uh do you ever find yourself whether you're in line or walking around the parks kind of doing what i ask people to do or if you've heard segments on the show before either looking around looking up or maybe even looking for hidden mickeys when you're around Oh, absolutely. Especially when your three-year-old wants to go on It's a Small World for the third time. And uh, you've, you know, you've seen the ride before, so it's time to start looking for some interesting things. Um, yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, there's a funny story. My brother and I had a bet to see who was going to get married first. And it happened that I won the bet. I got married first. And the winner of the bet was going to have their apartment cleaned by the loser during their honeymoon. So we come back from our honeymoon and find out that my brother has hidden his own little hidden Mickeys. He made these tiny little pieces of paper with hidden with Mickey heads on them and spread them over our apartment. And I kid you not, I'm still finding them to this day, even though we moved <laughs> out of that apartment. So thank you, brother. I hope you're listening. Now let's see, if you're, if you're down and maybe you take some friends or first-timer to Disney. Is there one kind of hidden Mickey that you just think is just really cool or the one that you just got to go see? My absolute favorite is the one. Um, there's a green moss Mickey head on the Tree of Life. That's my absolute favorite because you have to get up really close to see it. And you know those trails, they're, they're not marked really well. And mm -hmm. so many people don't know about them. And we happened to stumble on them one day. And it was just... It, that's my absolute favorite place to go. Okay. Now, I'm sure that because you're a big fan and, and I'm sure friends and family know it, people come to you and ask you, uh, you know, about planning their trip to Disney. And maybe what's that one best piece of advice that you can give to somebody that's never been before and maybe they're just thinking about it or they're just starting to plan their first trip? Well, I actually had this happen to me. One of my husband's colleagues called me up and said they were going to Disney. Their kids were ready. And the very first thing I told her was, you got to do your research. That's number one. And there's three, thing, three things that you can um, count on when you're looking for good research. And the first is a good guidebook. And I hear that the unofficial guide has some pretty good touring plans. Ding! And um, I also... Uh, love to go on the internet. I mean, the Disney community online is just so helpful. There's so many discussion boards like Disney World Trivia and All Ears has the menus and any kind of information you would ever want. And 
Of course, the third thing you need absolutely is a Disney travel agent. Awesome. All good tips. Now, I'm going to bring it to the other side of the spectrum and say you've been to the parks before. You like doing Hidden Mickeys. You're, you're clearly a fan. What do you think maybe is that one best tip or trick or as I like to call them, those, those hidden treasures that you can give to somebody that says, you know what, Kathy, I've been there. I've ridden all the rides. I've seen it all. I've done it all. What's that one little thing that you can give them, that one sort of gem that they have to go and find or do? Well, you know, the rides are the same every time you go down there, pretty much, you know, you get a new one every once now and then. But the thing that really changes um, that is that you can really draw on is the cast members and the guests. Every time you go, you're going to meet somebody different. And I love talking to the cast members and or to fellow guests who are standing in line. You're waiting in mis- permission space and um start talking to somebody behind you. What did you do? Where are you from? You know, and uh, my favorite cast members to talk to, um, since I'm a vocalist, are the voices of I see their show. I end up in tears, of course. They're just, I mean, they're just fantastic. And the other guy I like to talk to is the ragtime piano player by Casey's. That guy's amazing. He can play just about anything. And my husband plays piano and he tries to do some ragtime. And every time we go down there, we talk to him and we say, okay, here, go ahead, try, try this one. And he can play it. Every single time we've asked him, he can play whatever he can. So my tip would be to talk to all the, all the cast members and even to go the extra mile and try and make another guest's trip even better. You know, sort of be like the unofficial dream squad. I'm, I'm always handing out pins to kids and, um, you know, taking pictures for other people. It's just that little extra magic that I think Walt would want. Absolutely. And that's a great tip about John, uh, the piano player, or one of the piano players over by Casey. He, he truly is a hidden treasure. But, okay, you obviously love Walt Disney World, and that's where you want to go, and that's where you're planning on going next. But... We're talking about being the ultimate adventurer, and let me ask you this. Maybe outside of a trip to Walt Disney World, what kind of experience or what sort of destination or excursion do you think would would kind of be your ultimate adventure? I thought long and hard on this one, and I what I really would like to do is to get away from everything. I, you know, I love my life. I love where we are. Um, I love the people and all the opportunities that we have, but... It would be so neat to go somewhere where everything is totally different. So I chose Ghana in Africa as my adventure to be able to go there and just discover a totally different culture and not just to stay in you know the main areas, the cities, to go out and really, if possible, live with um, one of the tribes and hear their music and see their rituals and uh, activities that they need to do. I think that would be really eye-opening, you know, just to see how other people live. Okay, great. So this is it. This is the the last, the final question for you, and it's sort of the the all-encompassing one. And this is your chance, Kathy, to tell us, why are you, why is Kathy Adams the ultimate adventurer? (laughs) Okay, no pressure here. No Um, pressure. Uh, this is another one that I thought about for a long time. And I think just 
The way that my life is right now, um, I've really started to get to the point where I, I really can try new things. Um, being a parent really started that for me, I think. That, you know, when you have kids, you really have to stretch yourself. You really have to um, be a good role model for your kids. I really started pushing myself and adventuring, if you will, into other things. I started running. I'm planning, I'm actually training for a 10K right now. And I'm hoping to do the Disney Half Marathon in 2013, giving myself plenty of time, even though it <laughs> it seems impossible right now. But I mean, then last year, my first 5K seemed impossible. So, you know, it's it's going to be a long road. But that's another thing you learn when you're a parent is perseverance. <laughs> um, and then my job is is another thing that just keeps me going. I'm it's not just about teaching music too. It's about, it's teaching them how to be um, good members of the community and how to treat each other well. I'm trying something new this year. I'm setting up a week of random acts of kindness at my school. We're gonna be doing this in April and the kids are going to submit all of their random acts of kindness that they do for the week. And we're gonna invite the parents to that too and local communities, community organizations to um, make a long list of all of the random acts of kindness that happened during the week. I'm also talking to some sponsors and some organizations in the community to put funds toward each random act of kindness and then we're going to um, give those funds to charity most likely we're gonna do it through Make-A-Wish because I want the children in the school to see that how far-reaching this can be it's such an easy thing to do. It's, it's an easy way to, you know, well, not to sound corny, but to make the world a better place, you know, just one little thing at a time. That's, and I was really inspired by the, the Dream Squad. So I guess I'm the ultimate adventurer because an adventurer is someone who, who takes risks and, and does things that they're not sure of. They just start hacking right through the jungle and... I, I think I do that. I, I, and if you find me worthy, then please vote. Awesome. Well, Kathy Adams, again, congratulations for making it to the final round. Uh, I appreciate your support and listening, and good luck uh, in, the, in the final round of voting. And I have to add one more thing. I, ca- I cannot leave without saying this. I have to thank all of the people that voted for me in the second round, all of the friends, all of my family, all of the uh, people from the online Disney community. I am sincerely grateful for your support. Great. Thank you. All right, let's move on to our next contestant for the final round of the Adventureland Challenge Contest. Why don't you guys tell us your name and where you're from? Hey, everybody. I'm Jeff DeBoer. I'm from Crown Point, Indiana. It's about an hour southeast of Chicago. Excellent. Jeff, congratulations, like I said, to making it to the third and now the final round. Why don't you remind us what your caption was for round two? We had the picture of the Jungle Cruise, the overturned camp with the gorillas. And, and tell us what your caption was. Sure. Uh, my caption was Savannah Room at the Animal Kingdom Lodge, $500. Rental car, $150. Bell Services monkeying around with your new luggage, magical. There you go. It's always great to hear it from the person that created it. So uh, <laughs> we're going to ask you a couple of questions just so people can first get to know you a little bit better. And obviously the, the first one I'd like to ask you is maybe just tell us a little bit about you, maybe a little bit about your family. 
Sure. Uh, I come from a family of five. Uh, I'm the youngest of three siblings. I got two older sisters uh, who live various parts of the country, one in Washington State and the other in uh, down in Georgia. Uh, so we get to see them uh, at least once or two, twice a year. So uh, uh, my one sister actually met my brother-in-law while she was in the college program. So they met uh, while working at Disney World. And so we've, we're kind of a Disney family all the way along. And then uh, about two years ago, I married my wife, Kristen, and we met while we were doing uh, community theater in high school. Uh, it was actually the summer before we left for college, and we went away to college and lost touch for about four years. <laughs> wow. And then uh, we graduated, moved home, and started dating uh, actually while uh, doing another show. And uh, we dated for a couple years, and we actually had the opportunity to uh, be in one of the first community theater productions of Beauty and the Beast, the Disney uh, musical. And uh, I was playing Gaston, and she was playing one of the silly girls who follows Gaston around. And I thought, well, what better time to <laughs> to propose to her than while we're in a Disney show? Uh, so I won't go into all the details, but I got her to the opera house where we had the show, and uh, she walked into the theater, and I was on stage, lit by a single spotlight and all that uh, corny stuff and I was down on one knee and uh, two years later we were married on that uh, the same stage and we honeymooned at Disney World so wow that's great and, and that's a nice story too it's nice that you have the, the Disney connection in there with, with your wedding yeah but, we're, we definitely share the Disney connection <laughs> well obviously you're, you're a Disney fan obviously a Walt Disney World fan tell us about your, your first trip to Disney or maybe sort of that that first trip that you remember if you were really really young Sure, and actually, the my first trip to to Disney World is actually one of the, the earliest me uh, memories that I do have. Uh, it was in 1983, I believe. And it was a family trip. We went down and we stayed at uh, the Fort Wilderness Resort. We had a small uh, pop-up camper, and so uh, with five of us, you know, the, the quarters were a little bit tight, but uh, we got along and and made it work. So. Uh, but actually, one of the, like I said, the earliest memories that I have is actually at River Country uh, there that was connected to the Fort Wilderness Resort. And I was in the pool. I had a little toy boat that I think we probably bought from the gift shop or something. And, uh, you know, I was sitting there and, and playing with it and at River Country. And when your uh, podcast not too long ago, you had done a segment on River Country. And so I thought, wow, you know, where, where are all of our old pictures and stuff so it, it spurred me to go to my mom and dad's house and look at all of our vacation pictures and sure enough there's a picture of me at the river country with my boat and my sister and smiling from ear to ear so uh you know like i said i've, I've been a disney fan for uh, for a long time it was <laughs> it was ingrained in me from the beginning <laughs> so awesome well I, it, and it's nice to know that you that it started off early and, and it still continues how many times do you think you've been to disney through the years Boy, um, probably three or four before we got married, and we've been able to, uh, we've been lucky enough to be able to go a couple times since we've been married. Um, I actually uh, am a former college program participant as well. So uh, if, you, if you count those, uh, that was about 10 years ago. And so it's uh, it's been a while since I had been there. If I could uh, ask, where'd you work when you were in the CP? Sure. Actually, I uh, worked at the Boneyard in the Animal Kingdom uh, as a paleontologist in the uh, in the Boneyard. So it was a lot of fun. You know, you get paid to to come to work and uh, you know be at a playground and and play with kids and and all that stuff. So it was it was a pretty good gig. Cool. Now, obviously, you you've been to Disney a number of times. Like you said, you work there. So 
you know, you know a lot about it. You've seen it through the years. But if you just had one hour, if you could sort of magically be transported from where you're sitting right now or sitting at work and you had one hour to spend in Walt Disney World, how or where would you spend it? Well, I, it's hard. You know, none of us want to spend only an hour at Disney World. Uh, but I think you have to go to Magic Kingdom. Uh, you know, it's the, the quintessential uh, Disney World uh, image that everyone has. And uh, I think the first thing that I would do is I would make a, a straight line uh, to Casey's and get a, a hot dog and cheese fries and a Coke. You know, that's the first meal that I always have whenever I've gone. And it's usually the last meal that I always have when I leave. Uh, so that would be the first thing that I would do. And I would try and eat that as quickly as possible. <laughs> um, and then probably head over to you know Pirates of the Caribbean and Haunted Mansion, which are two of our favorite uh, attractions. And you know, depending on how long the lines were, we'd maybe try and hit Splash Mountain and, of course, grab a Dole Whip on the way out. So, Cool. Well, you start off with food, which is how I normally start my trip. So you know, we, I was with you at, at that point as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, and if we only had an hour, you know, if I could choose when the hour would be, I'd probably try and make it near the end of the day so that uh, maybe wishes was going on as I was leaving. So Okay. All right. So, again, having been to the parks so many times, you've probably seen a lot and done a lot. And, you know, I always talk about doing other things sort of to enhance the vacation or to take your time. And one of the things we talk about on the show is hidden Mickeys. And you ever, when you go to the parks, you find yourself hunting for hidden Mickeys? And, and if so, if you do and could only, you know, you're taking a friend with you or a first timer with you, where would you go to maybe show him or her your favorite um, or some of the best hidden Mickeys? Sure, sure. Well, I have to say, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, I was technically a contributor to Steve's Hidden Mickey Guide. Uh, when I was working at the Boneyard, I actually left my own little mark uh, on Disney World. <laughs> um, that was, like I said, back in 99, and that was when they still had the fossil prep lab with Sue the Dinosaur, and they had Dinosaur Jubilee and all of that. And uh, those two locations were technically part of our rotation. So we knew the scientists fairly well. We would talk to them every so often, and they'd let us come in and, and look at the dinosaur and all that stuff, which was, which was pretty neat. Well, it was one of our last days, and uh, my friends and I decided, well, you know, this has been fun, but we want to, you know, leave something behind. So we went to the fossil prep lab and asked them uh, if they had any super glue. <laughs> well, they did, and they gave it to us. So uh, after the park had closed, I actually hopped the fence. I don't know if you're familiar with the boneyard at all, right? Um, but up on the second level, in the back of the the playground, there's actually a little scene with a picnic table and a bag of uh, McDonald's and and some other various things mm -hmm. sitting around. Uh, so I actually hopped the fence and super glued a quarter, a penny, and a dime in the shape of a Mickey head, and uh, that actually ended up making it into the into the guide. And uh, so that's that's my little claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you so, know, is it still there? Do you know? It's still it there? is. Wow. It is still. It is still there. And so uh, that would definitely be one that I would take them and and show them. Uh, another one that actually isn't in the guide uh, that I've only seen once is actually at the bottom of the dig, also in the boneyard. They've got the the woolly mammoth dig. And uh, if you dig all the way to the bottom on the floor of of the dig, there's actually a, a Mickey, uh, like a fossil, in the in the bottom of the uh, the. The dig there so uh that'd be a pretty neat one that one takes a little bit of time to find but <laughs> uh that's all but part of the fun that's all part of fun is the hunt itself the search that's right that's right but i think one of my favorites is for sure 
the middle of the studios. I guess it's technically not there anymore. Uh, but when they first designed the studios, how it was laid out like a Mickey head or a Mickey face with the, the Echo Lake being one of the ears. And uh, when they did Sunset Boulevard, they kind of scrapped that idea. And now the, uh, the hat has kind of uh, taken away from that as well. But that's definitely one of my favorites that a lot of people don't see right away. Yeah, and if you still look at the guide maps, you can kind of get a sense of where it was, but the planters that were the eyes, I know, are now gone, and like you said, Sunset Boulevard sort of obscures what it once right. was. But yeah, that, that was a very cool um, hid Mickey that obviously you can only see by looking at the map, really. Right, right. Little did they know that we would have Google Maps and uh, all that, that we can look at satellite images as readily, but uh, exactly, they thought they were pretty, pretty slick at the time. All right, so you've obviously been you know, a ton of times and having worked there, um, you're very familiar and, and are, have probably been asked to give advice to people once, you know, who are planning trips before. But what do you think that best piece of advice is that you can give to somebody that's never been before? They, they've never gone to Disney. They're, they're thinking about going or they're planning their trip. Just that one bit of advice you could give them. Sure. Um, you know, you mentioned that I'd been there tons of times and I guess technically that's true. Uh, but I truly feel that Disney World is what you make of it. Uh, you'll miss out so much if all you're interested in is the attractions and, you know, like you guys always say, look up and, and look at all the extra things and all the little details. Uh, and while that's true, even without looking at all the details, I know people who don't even like Disney World because it's not a thrill park or whatever. But if you truly look at it through the eyes of a child, uh, you'll see so much more. Uh, when my wife and I were on our honeymoon, we were at uh, the Magic Kingdom for extra magic hours in the evening, and uh, we were doing all of the Fantasyland rides because, uh, like I said, it was in the evening extra magic hours. So a lot of the children had gone home, so the lines were short, and it was at night, and there's always a little bit of a magical feel uh, in Fantasyland at that point. So we decided, well, we'll go on. It's a small world. It's not our favorite ride. Um, the song can get a little annoying, but it's a staple, and you know we felt like it was something that we should do. So we sat down. And uh, we were pretty excited. We thought that it was, uh, we were going to have the boat to ourselves and it was going to be a nice romantic ride through the attraction. Well, just before we were getting ready to pull out of the station, uh, a, a man in his early to mid 30s came and sat down in front of us. And we were kind of disappointed here. We thought that it was going to be a, a special thing for us. Uh, well, it didn't take us long uh, to realize that the man actually had uh, special needs of some kind. And as soon as we turned that first corner, to this day, I can see just the, the wonder and the amazement and just the look on his face was just, oh, I mean, it still gets me today because here we are. Oh, yeah, I guess we'll go on it. But this man was just, he couldn't see everything. <laughs> you know, I mean, he just couldn't see everything fast enough. He was just, his head was on a swivel. And it's, if you look at it from a, a a, almost a child's perspective and just look at it as I don't even know how to describe it I'm sorry <laughs> um, just looking at it in a, in a different way it's absolutely what you make of it and this place is so wonderful uh, and like I said if you look at it from a child's point of view the perfect example is the uh, Cinderella fountain behind Cinderella's castle is it's just, you know she's sitting there with the animals around her and any adult would walk by and say oh that's a nice fountain 
Well, if you crouch down and you look at it from a child's perspective, you can see that there's a crown painted behind the statue. And if you're down at a child's point of view, that crown is sitting perfectly on Cinderella's head. And so there's so much more to it, even more than the details, that so many of us don't appreciate. And that was something that really opened our eyes. And I would just say, you know, it's what you make of it. Okay. Now, you you pointed to the crown on Cinderella's head over the fountain, which is one of the things that I consider to be one of those hidden treasures, the things that people walk by and don't pay attention to and those beautiful details that the Imagineers take so much time and care to put in. And that's why I do tell people to slow down and explore and look up and, yes, look down and look at garbage cans or whatever it is. So let's look, you know, we talked about the first-time visitor. What about the, the guy or the family or the couple that says, you know what, we've been there a hundred times. We've seen it all. We've done it all. What do you think your best tip or trick or hidden treasure like that is something that, that you can give somebody that says, I- I've been there and I've seen everything? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm i going to cheat a little bit and I'm going to read some of this. I actually uh, had written this on a, a blog that I have uh, journal kind of a, a site and uh, it's actually has to do with the partner statue and it's a story that was told to me during my my traditions and it just there the, there's so much more to it and like i said I, i'll read some of this here Obviously, a tribute to Walt, the sculpture has so much more meaning than most would notice. There are many stories as to what Walt is pointing to. He's uh, welcoming uh, guests into his park or whatever. But here's a particular touching interpretation that I was told during my training. Uh, Being an artist of sorts myself, you need to understand the mindset of an artist. You create everything from scratch. And therefore, most of what was done on the sculpture, in my opinion, was done for a specific reason. Take, for example, the tie tack that Walt is wearing. Uh, While at first glance it may look like an insignia or an Asian character of sorts, it's actually a monogram of the letters STR, which stands for Smoke Tree Ranch. Uh, It's a very private resort, membership by recommendation of a committee only, and when Walt Walt asked to become a homeowner on uh, Smoke Tree Ranch, Uh, The current owners were wary of such a Hollywood type invading their exclusive hideaway. So to prove his love of the ranch, Disney had his designers design and build three cottages on the ranch, and they finally uh, let him join. Uh, Walt was was a dedicated neighbor and was often seen wearing that on his uh, tie clip. And it would have been very easy to leave this detail off, but Blaine Gibson decided to include it. You ask yourself why, and we'll get to that later. The partner sculpture was not a quote-unquote complete sculpture on its own. It requires the sharing the magic sculpture up front near the entrance to be considered complete. Both sculptures were created, like I said, by Blaine Gibson. And Blaine Gibson, as I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, was an Imagineer for Walt who sculpted everything from the pirates in Pirates of the Caribbean to every president and all the presidents and, and things like that. Uh, And the partner statue was created and given to the Magic Kingdom in 1995. And at that time, he said it was not a finished sculpture. In 1999, the Roy and Minnie sculpture was added to the entrance of the Magic Kingdom. And he said then the sculpture was officially finished. And but if you look at the Roy and Minnie statue, you notice that there's an empty seat there. Why wouldn't Blaine have used the whole bench instead of leaving an empty seat? Again, everything 
happens for a reason or everything is, is designed for a reason. But if you remember, Walt died before Disney World opened. And when he died, it was up to his brother Roy to, to continue on with the project. Roy even went so far as to have the park renamed Walt Disney World so everyone would know whose dream had built the park. On opening day in 1971, on the very spot where the Roy and Minnie statue now stands, Roy stepped up to the podium to give the dedication. He was seen leaning over to ask someone something, and a few minutes later, Mickey Mouse came to stand next to him. Roy was said to have said that if he couldn't be standing by Walt's side, he wanted Mickey to be standing by his side. Therefore, Walt is holding Mickey's hand, telling him he's taken him as far as he can take him, and as far as he can go on this journey. But Roy and Minnie have saved a seat for you on the bench up front, as he points in that direction, letting him know it'll be alright. So Walt stands at the end of Main Street, keeping a tie to the past, with a tie clip, holding on to his dreams, holding Dis uh, Mickey's hand, and looking towards the future where Roy sits, ready to take on his brother's dreams. Excellent. That, that to me, explains everything. Uh, now, based on what you said before, I thought you were going to say he was pointing to Casey's, where you like to go and get <laughs> your, your hot dog. But <laughs> well, that might be true too. <laughs> See, Mickey, go right over there and get Casey's, have a seat, That's and watch right. wishes. <laughs> That's right. It's a very long answer for a, a, a simple question, but it's it's absolutely one of my favorite Disney stories and one of my favorite Disney details that I think, again, we all love the partner statue, but there's so much more to it. Absolutely. And like you said, there's meaning in the story behind everything. But I'm going to... I'm going to ask... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you away from Walt Disney World just for a second with this question, because... Maybe outside of a trip to Walt Disney World, we talk about you being the ultimate adventurer. Where else do you think or what type of experience or what type of excursion would you like to kind of be your ideal, quote unquote, ultimate adventure? Sure. Um, I would probably have to say New York. Uh, as I said before, my wife and I do a lot of theater. We actually uh, do some directing uh, in some community theaters as well. And... The, the hustle and bustle and the energy of New York City, we actually went for our one-year anniversary, uh, for our first anniversary, and just had a blast. And we went and saw shows on Broadway and, you know, stayed in uh, you know, a hotel that uh, was on the, the north, or I guess upper west side. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I would say New York City, we just, I, I love the energy about the city and, and the fact that, you know, the... The World's Fair, uh, where Walt had so many of his first ideas for Disneyland, uh, all happened in you know in New York, and and I think it's just got a, a great energy to it. And uh, I've only been once, but I loved it. <laughs> all right, well, I'm saving the big question for last, so you can kind of guess what's coming. But Jeff, go ahead and tell us why you are the ultimate adventurer. Well, I, I want to put a disclaimer out there. It's going to be a little bit hokey, but uh, I, I truly feel that life is an adventure. And it's like Walt Disney World. It's really what you make of it. And, uh, you know, I try and make the most out of every day. And I don't know if you're familiar with the late Randy Pausch, who had the did the uh, last lecture book. And that man had an amazing outlook on life. And, and he truly got it. Uh, and, you know, I think that, that life is what you make out of it, just like Disney World. And, you know, you try and live your life the best that you can and uh, and try and make your life the adventure. Awesome. Excellent. Well, 
Jeff DeBoer, uh, congratulations on making it this far. Congratulations on making it uh, to the final round. And I really appreciate you playing and listening. And I wish you best of luck um, as voting begins. Well, thank you so much. I, I appreciate the opportunity, and it's been a, an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Okay, and on to our next contestant. Go ahead and tell us your name and where you're from. Uh, my name is Ashley Fisher, and I'm from Langhorne, Pennsylvania. But during the school season, I live in upstate New York at Ithaca College Great. as an integrated marketing communications major. Excellent. Well, congratulations on making this far, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Lou. I'm really excited to be here. Great. Well, I'm excited to have you. So let's just start off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about maybe your family? So, like I said, I'm an integrated marketing communications major at Ithaca College, which means mainly advertising and public relations is my concentrations. And this summer, I worked seven days a week as a receptionist at a real estate agency, which is kind of where my caption comes from. And I also was an intern at a recruitment advertising agency. So, very busy. And now I have a full course load. I'm the marketing director for two on-campus activities. I take voice lessons, have a part-time job, and I'm also producing a show with my best friends, Hedvig and the Angry Inch. So. It's really exciting. It's a lot of things that I'm doing, and I would call myself an Eeyore enthusiast. I've recently really gone into eBay and the Eeyore possibilities there. And for my future, I'm hoping to one day land a professional internship at Disney and work with them in their special events, such as the Food and Wine Festival, the things that go on all the time. I live with my mom and stepdad, John, who just got married last December, even though they've been together for 10 years. She has finally let it happen. And I am the youngest of three, of three, both two sisters. My youngest sister's eight years older than me, and my oldest sister, 18, so she could pretty much be my mother. And I have five nieces and nephews who I'm closer in age with. And we all live on the same street because they can't handle to be apart from each other. And while I'm at school, I'm with my boyfriend, Andy, who's a piano major here at Ithaca. And our one year is actually coming up on September 29th, which is the day after the contest is announced. So it would be a pretty great anniversary present. And as far as my family goes, we're really close. Like I said, we live on the same street. And we each have our own Disney character, is kind of how we would describe ourselves. My mother's Jiminy. I'm Eeyore, Andy's now becoming the Nemo Seagulls, and my sister Jackie is Ariel. So, that's pretty much us. Ashley, obviously round two was when you had to create a caption for the picture that we had of the Jungle Cruise camp. Why don't you go ahead and remind us what your caption was? Well, I definitely used my work this summer, and my caption was, Perfect for the adventurer at heart, this home features a river view, spacious rooms with cathedral ceilings, detached garage, and intimate interactions with fascinating wildlife. Well, you're obviously uh, a big Disney fan, uh, mm -hmm. obviously probably a, a Walt Disney World fan. Tell us about your very first trip to Walt Disney World, if you remember it, and who you <laughs> went with. So this is really hard because I'm very young, and my first trip, depends how technical you want to get, I was either in my mother's belly, or I was seven months old, <laughs> which was August 1989. 
And I went with my two sisters and my father and mother. And the only videos that I've ever seen of it is my mother and two sisters while holding me singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow from The Wizard of Oz in the recording studio in MGM. I'm not really sure how that works out, but I've seen like the actual videos of it. And I'm not sure what attraction it actually was. And I'm sure it's not there now. So that's that's not the first trip you're what about the first trip that you remember going on? Okay. That would probably be I wanna say I'm probably around seven years old and it's during the Easter parade. I remember it because my dad was really into sitting around for the parades for hours until they came, so we had the best spot. And for the Easter parade, I guess it was pretty big back then. And I was sitting in my stroller and it was very hot and all of a sudden I wake up to water being splashed on me because I had passed out because we were outside for too long. And it was just pretty much everybody freaking out because they didn't know what to do. And then I just woke up because I was sleeping. (laughs) So that's the one that I can definitely remember the most. Past that would be more recent ones. How many times? How many times you think you've been to Disney World since then? Since the belly time? How many times? Since the belly time, probably about twenty-eight times. It's just our vacation spot. We don't go anywhere else, <laughs> except for maybe the Jersey Shore, once a year. Which is just like Walt Disney World. It's the same. <laughs> Cigarettes in the sand. <laughs> right. Coming from Jersey, I can say that. So, <laughs> all right. So you, you've gone to Disney a number of times, and and you obviously love it. If you had just one hour. All right, you can be transported from Ithaca down to Disney. You have just one hour to spend in Walt Disney World. How would you spend it? All right, I'm assuming that transportation is very fast between the parks and the places I want to go. Um, The first thing I would do is go to the Magic Kingdom, and we always search for our stones from the Walk Around the World campaign that went on, and one of them is right underneath the Magic Kingdom engraved sign on the ground underneath the O. So that's one we always take pictures with every year. And then the one ride I would visit in Magic Kingdom saying there were no lines, and there never is for this one, is go on the Blue Line Transit Authority because it's just one of my favorite rides and it's the one when you're sweaty you can nap on. And then take a very fast monorail over to Chef Mickey's, not to eat, but to see our waitress Julie. She's been with my family since before I was born so she's just kind of an aunt who lives in Florida and we see her once or twice every year when we go down and she's so close that when she realized that I graduated from college she was or from high school she was more of a mess than my whole family so she's very close to us and finally very quick monorail over to the land in Epcot because that's overall my favorite ride. And of course, being dragged to see the seagulls outside of Finding Nemo while I'm there. So no lines and no transportation traffic. And that could be an hour. Now, just real quick, you said the land was your favorite ride. Do you mean living with the land is your favorite ride? Living with the land. Yes, sorry. I wasn't sure if it was the Circle of Life Theater or Soarin' or where (laughs) you were going. So I just wanted to be sure. Definitely living with the land. Okay. Are you a listen to the land fan or living? Ah, never mind. But anyway, you <laughs> talked about. All right, quick question. You talked about when you get to the park, you, you start hunting around for your little stone. And speaking of hunting, do you ever find yourself hunting through the parks for hidden Mickey's? Yes, but 
this is how it goes. When I'm looking for hidden Mickeys in the park, I'm looking more at signs and what's on the ground and the ironwork. So things that I feel are more purposefully placed there. The ones that are more obvious. I really like just seeing those ones. But my favorite hidden Mickeys in Walt Disney World would be when you're in your hotel and just at the end of your day, you're tired, and it's just those little things that show up on your bedspread and on the shower curtain and on the wall. And I even look at the tiles on the floor to think maybe they were arranged in a certain way to look like a hidden Mickey. So definitely just the bathroom Mickeys, as I would call them, would be my favorite type of hidden Mickey. All right. Now, as somebody that's been to the parks a number of times, it sounds like you definitely know your way around. What do you think is the best single piece of advice you can give somebody that's never been to Walt Disney World and is maybe thinking about going for the first time? When this happens, because it happens to me often, I don't know why, I definitely say that you have to realize that Disney's a full-time vacation. You can make it relaxation, but you're just there and you want to be able to do everything. So definitely realizing what time of year to go and what time of week to go to the different parks can really ease a lot of, sorry about that, a lot of your stress. So I always say, don't go to the Magic Kingdom on the weekends because everybody's there for their day trip. And make sure you take advantage of the extra magic hours. If you have children, maybe you'll wake them up that extra hour and take them to the park so that way you can get home earlier. Or if you're going with people who are older, taking advantage of those late in the day extra magic hours so you can kind of miss all of that younger day crowd. So I really, I'm very organized in that type of time management way. So that's always my number one to tell people. Just make sure you realize you're gonna be there a lot and that just take it as it is and just do the best with it you can, so. All right, well, let's go actually to the opposite end of the spectrum now and give me that one best tip or that trick or that little hidden treasure, as you know I like to call them, that you're going to give to somebody that says, you know what, I've been there before. I've been there a hundred times. I've done it all. What's the one thing that you can kind of tell them that maybe they don't know about or that little gem that, that or a little detail? This is actually the one thing that was told to me that I didn't know about. Um, and it's not really being in the park so much as a way to experience it, I never knew until my friend told me that there were things like the college program and professional internships. So for people my age, I make sure that they know things like that because I want to be a part of it and actually working in Disney World in a whole different way is a different way for me to experience it. Because I do the little things from being there so many times and now since I'm older, I can start um, doing the different tours, like I just did the behind the seats tour the last time I was there. And that was really exciting because it was always something I wanted to do, but I finally was kind of on my own and I could do it myself. So that was really exciting. So how I extend my trips now is to do the tours, kind of those extra, extra magic that they offer. So I do that. But besides that, I just, I tell my friends who I suddenly find out have been there so many times well, did you know about the college program? Did you know about the professional internships? And now they're applying to them and everybody's just so excited about it because it's something that we're hoping will be something different that we've never done before. So, 
Okay. And that, that actually leads me to my next question, because you said Disney World is your vacation place. And, and like me, that's kind of where you go. But maybe outside of a trip to Walt Disney World, what kind of experience or excursion or destination would you like to go to and kind of be your ultimate adventurer and why? Since we're talking about, you know, becoming the ultimate adventurer. <laughs> Since this is the ultimate Adventureland challenge. Um, if I couldn't do a Disney World tour, I don't know if that's too cliched. Because it's something that I've never done before going to all the Disney parks. Like, I've never even been to Disneyland, and I've been to Walt Disney World so many times. So, if I couldn't do that, or I couldn't do a Disney cruise, which is, again, something that I'm very jealous that you got to do. I... The only thing that even compares in my mind to Disney World is kind of experiencing what Epcot stands for. And I think it would be so cool to kind of go to all of the countries saying I have unlimited money, going to all of the countries in the World Showcase and kind of experiencing them on my own and just, even though the comparison might be small, trying to see what the similarities are and how well Epcot got it. So something like doing a tour of the World Showcase, but the real one. Okay. And your your final question, this is kind of like your, you know, why do you want to be Miss America question. <laughs> why are you, why are you the ultimate adventurer? Besides being your best advertisement on Facebook <laughs> and getting people to vote for me, I, the, Definitely the sole reason, the kind of emotional reason why I really want to win the big trip is those two extra seats that I get. Because my mother's taken me so many times to Disney World, and it's always been her responsibility. She's had to think about getting the money, getting us there, and the things we're going to do. And being the college student that I am, there's no way that... I can give her the opportunity to take the responsibility away from her and just kind of give her this post-honeymoon type adventure for her. And it just sounds so sad, but she, it's just a way for me to give back and show her that even if we've stayed at the Pop Century for the past five years because it was the only place we could stay. Or that sometimes we had to drive down there because we couldn't afford to fly. So it's just having this limitless opportunity to show her the types of luxuries that she hasn't gotten to experience in Disney World in a really long time. So as much as I would love the trip, and I would be there, she and my stepdad are definitely the bigger picture here. All right, so great. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Ashley Ray Fisher, congratulations on making it this far. Good luck going forward. Um, and again, it's now in the hands of the listeners. So again, congratulations. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Lou. It's been really great talking to you. Thank you. That's it. There are your three finalists, Ashley Fisher, Jeff DeBoer, and Kathy Adams. Remember, voting is going to start on September 15th. It's going to end on September 21st at 11.59. 
You can vote once per 24-hour period. And again, I'm going to announce the winner and the two runners-up on our September 28th show. Thank you all again for playing. Thanks for voting. Thanks again to my sponsors, Mouse Fan Travel, All-Star Vacation Homes, and HiddenMickey'sGuide.com. And I'm really excited and looking forward to crowning our very first Ultimate Adventurer. That's all the time we have this week. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I want to say thank you again for tuning in. Special thanks also to Deb Wills from AllEars.net and Steve Barrett from HiddenMickey'sGuide.com. Don't forget to come by and visit our website at WDWRadio.com for show notes, links, information, old episodes, so much more. And don't forget, the voting begins for the Adventureland Challenge Contest. This is the final round on September 15th, and it's going to end on September 21st at 1159 You can visit our website. You'll find a link there for when and where you can vote. Remember, you can vote only once during each 24-hour period. Celebrations Magazine is almost ready to roll to the presses, but that means that you can still take advantage of the pre-publication offer over at celebrationspress.com. If you act now, you'll still be able to receive six issues for just $24.99. That's more than 30% off the cover price. I'll put a link in the show notes. You can go to celebrationspress.com. You can learn more or subscribe to the new magazine that I've been working on with Tim Foster from Guide to the Magic. Like I said, the first issue is coming soon. It's going to include lots of great stuff, including articles, trivia, photos, games, history, and so much more. And also, you can help be a part of the magazine. We're looking for you to submit photos for inclusion in the magazine or if you have a question a comment something that you'd like to see covered a letter to the editor which is basically tim or me then you can send them to lou at wdwradio.com as well i mentioned on last week's show all the great stuff that's going to be happening in walt disney world the weekend of september 26th through the 28th there's worldwide weekend with wdw celebrations the opening of epcot's international food and wine festival and the Expedition Everest Challenge, and there's a couple of things I want to highlight for you once again. Remember, there's going to be a special backstage tour as a paid add-on event to the WDW Celebrations event. That's going to be Thursday, September 25th, from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's backstage magic, but plus just a little bit. It's $225 per person, but you're going to get to see places like Backstage at the American Adventure, Epcot Cast Services, The Utilidors, the Magic Kingdom Production Center. You'll see what they do to create the Disney parades all year long. The North Service Area, where you'll go to Central Shops. That's where the builders actually create what you see in the parks, from animatronics to ride vehicles and so much more. You'll go to Creative Costuming. This is one of the special things here. You're going to go backstage at Tower of Terror. There's going to be a Whispering Canyon guest speaker there. So much more, lots of surprises. Again, that's Thursday, September 25th from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. I've done the Backstage Magic Tour again. I'm going to be doing this one, and I'm really looking forward to it. Again, there's lots more going on that weekend, and Saturday is the Expedition Everest Challenge. And if you're going to be in the parks or in Walt Disney World, I invite you to come by for a WDW Radio slash Disney World Trivia pre-marathon meet. That's going to be Saturday, the 27th. At 12.30 p.m., that's going to be at the Flame Tree Barbecue in Disney's Animal Kingdom. We're going to meet in the upper level, that's the Owl and Spider Pavilions, to the left of the counter area. 
Come by, join us for lunch. Just eat, meet, greet, whatever you want to do. Just come by and say hi. You don't need to pre-register. We made it early enough in the day, so if you are going to participate or just be a spectator at the Everest Challenge, you'll have plenty of time to get together, meet, get back, and get ready for the race again. That's Saturday, September 27th, 12.30 p.m. That's going to be over at the Flame Tree Barbecue over at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Speaking of which, if you are going to be a participant or even just a spectator in the inaugural Expedition Everest Challenge, we have WDW Radio Show 2008 Marathon Team t-shirts now available. We welcome anybody, whether you're just going to watch, whether you're going to run, if you want to wear a shirt before the race, during the race, or at the after-race party, come by, be a part of the inaugural event. You'll find those shirts over at cafepress.com slash WDWmarathon. Of course, I'll put a link in this week's show notes. Once again, while you're at the site, don't forget you can still get a free preview of the audio guide to Main Street USA. You'll find a link on our homepage. And in the show notes, you'll also find some additional specials still going on, exclusive to the website from some of our sponsors like All Star Vacation Homes, where you can get a free rental car and $50 gas card with your seven-night stay in a three-, four-, or five-star vacation home. Owner's Locker, you can still get $50 off the sign-up fee. And, of course, Mouse Fan Travel, who always has the best prices and always has exceptional service for your Walt Disney World, Disneyland, or Disney Cruise Line vacation. And speaking of special events taking place in Walt Disney World, I know it's only September, but believe it or not, MouseFest is right around the corner. I encourage you to go check out mousefest.org. There's going to be information posted there, as well as registration is going to open this week. There will also be some additional updates posted to the site as well. I'm going to announce my meets and my events soon, I promise. I also encourage you while you're there to sign up for the free MouseFest newsletter. You'll find that at mousefest.org slash newsletter. Again, you'll find the link on the homepage. That will let you be notified about the start of the registration process and any other news as it happens. I have a lot of exciting things planned for upcoming shows, including a few surprises. Don't forget that if you have a question that you want answered, a segment suggestion, just want to make a comment, you can always send those to me at lou at wdwradio.com. I promise in the coming weeks I'm going to get to more of your emails. And don't forget you can always call the voicemail and be on the air at 206-202-4939. That's 206-202-4WDW. And if you want to talk about the show and interact with other listeners and like-minded Disney fans, please come by and visit the WDW Radio Show forums over at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. And as always, if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Review us on iTunes. Come over, say hi on Facebook, follow my updates on Twitter. And again, I have to say a big thanks for taking the time and joining me this week. I hope you have a great week. Thank you again. See ya. I'm not going to play any voicemails at the end of the show this week. Instead, in honor of the victims and the heroes of September 11th, I want to leave you with the Voices of Liberty.